Are you ready? All right, thank you very much, everyone, and welcome back to Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About with Louis G. That's me, baby, and today we got a special guest. He's a friend of mine. His name is Chris. He lives close by. I figured we'd have him come by today on a Saturday, and, you know, we make this podcast and put it out on Monday, right? So today's podcast is Marxism, the Unspoken Truth. You know, why is it the un- what's the unspoken truth about Marxism? Well, we're going to find out with Chris because he happens to have a lot of uh, knowledge on this, and he, he has a great opinion on it, and I think that we should understand as a country that we can't go from a democratic republic to a socialistic society without ensuing chaos. That's all. It's the same thing from going from fossil fuels uh, to uh, all electric energy or all solar energy. The chaos would be unbelievable. It can't happen like that. So people have to understand that there's going to be some kind of crazy transition. And do you want to go through that? Is that what you want to do? Do you want to tear up the Constitution, tear up the Declaration of Independence, and just open up this book on Marxism that, Carl, uh, that old, that old uh, uh, Karl Marx wrote. How about that? Well, let's find that out with Chris today, okay? So uh, my friend Chris is here. Chris, do me a favor. Um, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself before we start. Hey, thanks for having me on, Louis. Uh, longtime friend of Louis, uh, Iraqi war freedom veteran and global war and terror veteran. Uh, just concerned citizen with the direction our country's going in. And uh, I appreciate Louis for uh, having me as a guest today. Awesome, man. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about Marxism, huh? What do you say, Chris? Uh, Marxism is a socioeconomic and political theory developed by the German philosopher and economist Karl Marx in the mid-19th century. It's based on the idea that historical and social progress is driven by the conflict between different social classes, particularly between the working class, the proletariat, and the ruling class, the bourgeoisie. Okay? Um, So... Are we only two classes of people in this country, Chris? No, absolutely not. Although uh, it's arguable that some people would like us to be. Well, how the hell? Yeah, well, well, if we're not two classes, then how do we go to Marxism? <laughs> well, uh, we start by eliminating the middle class. That's uh, is that what we do? Uh, absolutely. When did that start? Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's debatable. However, uh, some could say it was accelerated during uh, COVID. So accelerated during COVID because how many businesses did you lose in your town? I could tell you how many businesses we lost over here, right? We lost a lot. How many businesses did we lose? Uh, I, For a count, I'm not sure, but I can tell you that it was probably the historically largest transfer of wealth from the middle and lower classes to the upper class. Boom. I agree with that. Uh, Chris, I'm going to ask you a couple, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and uh, like most people consider politics, like you said, there's a left wing or a right wing spectrum. And in truth, right, it's a spectrum of limited government that projects to the left through varying levels of government control. Yes, that's right. Can yep. you explain that to me? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, most people think uh, there there are a lot of misnomers as far as politics as being a, uh, a spectrum or a horseshoe or a circle. Uh, as far as the spectrum, you know, the the common narrative is that. You know, from right wing to left wing, uh, obviously, uh, horseshoe is uh, both both extremes mm-hmm. eventually meet at one point. Okay. Circular is both extremes eventually meet at two points, Got being uh, anarchy and then a state of a dictatorship. Ah, so anarchy is uh, actually nowhere on the correct spectrum, is it? No, actually, it's not. Uh, a lot of people think anarchy, you know, which is the complete absence of government is on the spectrum somewhere, and it's absolutely not. If you can, uh, 
civilized society is is not uh, it doesn't have a penchant toward anarchy. Civilized society yearns for some sort of order. Got it. Uh, so a lot of a lot of people who think that anarchy is, uh, you know, a meeting point for the two extremes. That's that's actually not true. It, it, anarchy is an intermediary point. Got it. Got it. So th- there's an uh, there's a result of progressive leftism, and that would be an authoritarian body, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? Yeah, that's correct. And how does that? What does that work? Is isn't that like mob rule? I mean, what do what do you do with that? I mean, what's mob rule? I mean, isn't that like going back to like seventeen something France? You know, mob rule. Well, that's correct. I mean, eventually, if you keep going further left, what happens is you have you have a developed mob rule. In which case, uh, a an authoritarian body rises in a vacuum to uh, assert control over the chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mob rule, pure democracy is is not sustainable in any form. Got it. So inevitably, what happens is you see a dictatorship or intelligentsia oligarchy. Ah, there it is, the intelligentsia oligarchy, right? And and, and explain that. What's an intelligentsia oligarchy? You know what that is. I know what that is. But how many people do? Well, some would say intelligentsia oligarchy is is basically the type of system that Russia runs by now. It's a it's a group of uh, really smart people who run everything, right? Precisely. Yes, I, I couldn't have put it better, Louis. Very, uh, very well said. So, how, who's to say that they're really smart, though? <laughs> uh, you know, who's to pretty much anybody? Uh, who's to say anybody's smart now? I mean, uh-huh. that's, uh, that's basically they're uh, technocrats within their own circle. Got it. So it's a vacuum. Yes. Look, uh, there have been attempts to put collectivist societies into practice, right? And Absolutely. they've been tried for longer than most people think. Um, can you give us some uh, historical examples of that? Well, collectivist societies have been tried throughout history. I mean, the Pilgrims were one example. Uh, they they couldn't make it work because inevitably humanity is a folly. Okay, uh, no matter what type of society you establish, you cannot override uh, the human penchant for. Uh, I guess removing himself or herself from pain. Got uh, it. If we were to channel Frederick Bastiat, uh-huh. um, we were to call labor pain. Okay, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. humanity will do whatever it takes to alleviate pain. Okay, from the from the lowest class person uh, trying to scapegoat out of work to the most upper class citizen finding you know possibly enslaving lower class people to do the work for him. If, if we consider labor as pain, then it makes a lot more sense why a collectivist society can't work. Wow. So pretty much Marxism is a philosophy that's predicated on dehumanization. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely right. It, uh, it basically eliminates individuality uh, in favor of collectivism. So tell me something. Now we're going to have a real conversation because this is crazy. Collectivism is an idea to me that means one idea moves everything forward. Yes or no? That's correct. Yes. Isn't that democratic republic? <laughs> yes. The uh, you know. <laughs> so you know what I mean. Like, what's the one idea that people think? Who the hell? You know, who the hell are these people? Who the fuck do they think they are? They think they could just turn around and say it's one fucking idea. It's Marxism. We're all going to move collectively into this labor force that we're going to get. We're going to have a wonderful fucking life. Is that what's going on? Well, that's precisely right, and and humanity, 
humanity is comprised of individuals, not a collective. Uh, that's mm-hmm. and and no matter how what your approach to collectivism is, you you can't override man's desire for his individuality. Ah, uh, uh, let me ask you something. What what's better for people? Is it would it be the freedom to innovate, or would it be the discouraging to innovate in order to keep people on a equity equitable type base level well that's correct i mean society moves forward by virtue of individualistic innovation um general Patton had a had a very famous quote that's one of my my favorites. favorite general yeah my said, only general by the way <laughs> he said uh, if everybody's thinking the same then someone's not thinking Ah, there you uh, go. That's my boy. Which is, I mean, if we are if we are abandoning individualistic uh, innovation and creativity for groupthink, uh, then society cannot move forward. That's impossible. Got it. So, um, let me ask you a question: Weren't the founding fathers groupthink? I would say no. Uh, okay. Go ahead. Well. The founding fathers believed in the in the individual, and that's that's enshrined in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. That is correct. The Constitution that that uh, gives us the freedom to explore and exploit our own talents and and abilities uh, to our own successes. And Marxism can't do that, can it? No. Why? Uh, well, Marxism limits you to uh, to a statist type of um, uh, limitation. Yeah, I get it. So so people are, what you're saying is that Marxism is going to put you in your place and you are going to stay there. Well, that's correct. And, and how do you rise in Marxism? Well, you don't. And, and you can look at, you know, no better example I could give is than Cuba. Boom. Uh, in which, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, Cuba's not flourishing because of the embargoes placed on it by the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, if if Marxism is a success, then it shouldn't need any outside help from external capitalist <laughs> nations. Boom, buddy. Uh, you know, a more contemporary example I could give is the, the chop zone that was developed there in Seattle go. during right. the days of COVID, you know. Uh-huh. Um, it, it was it was very uh, chop zone. Laugh, Fuck out of here. It was laughable <laughs> to me that they developed this this chop zone with with armed. Where did they guards. come up with this name? Right, yeah, or Chaz. Chaz, you know, was you know with Chaz. You know, they called it either or, but Fuck what, come up with that name. What was the most comical about it was that they were soliciting for volunteer donations. What? Like water, food, and provisions. Didn't they have enough in their zone? And don't they have stores? Or they ran out. Well, that's the thing. If Marxism is to succeed, if it's a successful ideology, then they shouldn't be. Uh, you know, capitalist provisions shouldn't be a necessity in any form. Well, you know, how do you? How does one country go from dem- democratic republic to um, to a, a Marxist state or socialism? I mean, what's an example that you can give? Like what Venezuela? Yeah, well, I think I think the best example is the fact that uh, Venezuela is one such example. But uh, people are made promises once again to alleviate the pain of labor. Uh, ultimately, it all comes back to that. Wow! Um, if you can, you know, provide people some sort of promise that their lives are going to be easier, 
that makes Marxism as a philosophy much more palatable. Uh, <laughs> and in this country, we've got a bunch of young folks who are looking for an easy way out. Well, that's correct. I mean, you <laughs> you can't you can't advocate for uh, 51% of the people taking from the other 49% just because they like it. That's not fair. <laughs> no? Why no. not? Why, why not? <laughs> what the fuck, Chris? What do you mean? You, you know, some would say, well... You don't want to help your neighbor? Well, that's majority rule. Well, you know what else is majority rule is is four men in favor of raping one woman. Yeah, uh-huh. So, that's right. You know, so, I mean, where do we draw the line at majority rule? So what you're saying is Marxism is insatiable. Well, absolutely it is. I mean, Marxism is a revolution in perpetuity, and a lot of people don't understand that. I don't understand that either, tell me. It's, um, Marxism relies on a perpetual underclass to be elevated, okay? Once, once one underclass is elevated, uh, Marxism needs a secondary or, you know, another underclass in perpetuity to elevate. Otherwise, the revolution ceases to exist. Boom, look at that. If you if you speak to any uh, Cuban refugee, they will tell you that their regime conditions them to believe that they are still in a in a state of revolution. <laughs> well, because Marxism promises, uh, you know, a quality of life that can never be achieved. Right. Right. All right. So, Chris, what you're telling me is that in Marxism, uh, people are not equal and never can be. Is that true? That's correct. Yes. Why is that? Why? What's well, this? What's this whole thing about? Well, once again, going back to the fact that we're individuals, never having been designed by our Creator to be a collective, mm-hmm. um, people have individual talents, individual um, perspectives toward life, individual abilities. Uh, no matter how much uh, you put into place to try and instill equity, that's impossible. That can never be achieved because Everybody's different. We're, right. we're all individuals. Right. Understood. So there's a multitude of variations in hallmarks, right? There's, a, there's like there's socialism and what and what what is that what does that encounter? Yeah. So um, a lot of people don't sort of perceive the the different variations of Marxism. Obviously, socialism is uh, sort of a sharing, if you will, or a, a communal sharing of wealth. Um, if you move to communism. Uh, in that case, a some sort of government entity uh, basically asserts ownership of everything right. and, and provisions accordingly. Right. If you go to fascism, fascism is basically private property ownership but under total government control. Got it. Uh, and there are a multitude of other Marxist variations as well, but those are obviously the three most prominent ones. And Fascism, in particular, is obviously uh, uh, misdefined, if you will. As- so how is that? Because I've heard uh, that fascism is a, because of Hitler, it was a Christian thing. Yeah, so this is, this is a, a very interesting conversation that I often have. Um, fascism foremost became uh, a, a centerpiece of Benito Mussolini's. Yes. Uh, administration. Correct. Uh, Benito Mussolini was kicked out of the Communist Party, so he decided to uh, sort of make a reemergence, if you will, under with the fascisti, uh, which the fascisti became Hitler's model for Nazism. Got it. Uh, they're all variants of fascism, which is private property under total government control. 
there is no such thing as as right wing Marxism, uh, no matter how you cut it. Why? Um, Why can't a conservative in America be a be a Marxist or a fascist? <laughs> because uh, once again, if you go back to the spectrum, you have limited government versus total government. Ah. There's there, there is a conservative will will never advocate for total government. So There's, Marxism is basically a political and economic theory that pretty much seeks to create a classless society, right? And 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 through that collective ownership means of production. So they're going to take over the state government's going to take over everything. Okay, and you you're not going to be able to make decisions and participate in that. What you're going to be is somebody who the state says you're going to work here and then you're going to work here and you're going to work here. And if these jobs give you a higher pay, then you're making more money than the other guy. And for order this guy to move up here, we need to replace this guy. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Yeah. All right. That's crazy. Right. That that's not how things work. So I just want to I just want to also um, indicate that. Uh, historically, fascism was mislabeled a right-wing philosophy. Yes, because uh, America's or, or the United States' uh, temporary alliance with with Stalinist Russia to defeat Hitler uh, sort of labeled communism as a righteous antithesis to fascism, if you will. Because <laughs> you know, even though arguably the United States was not a communist nation during World War II. Uh, however, it, it seemed as though since we formed that temporary alliance to overthrow Nazism, which was a variation of fascism, we were probably uh, it look, probably looked like we were we were saying it was okay. Uh, that's correct. The narratives <laughs> the narratives were then born right. that that oh communism must be a a righteous uh, you know crusade against fascism. Well, that's not true. They're actually both variations of Marxism. Which hmm. yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. I don't know if I've I don't know if we went over this uh, completely, but there are some ideological differences between socialism and Marxism, and I want to know if 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 I've got this right, right? And here's what I've I've done in my research: uh, socialism and Marxism are are two related but distinct ideologies that share some similarities but also have significant differences. I've come up with socialism. Socialism is an economic and political system. Um, and under socialism, there's a means of productions are only controlled by the state or the workers themselves. Yes? Yeah, I would say that, yeah. Okay. Um, and socialism can be achieved through democratic means like we're trying to do now. Yes? That's correct. All right. What about through revolutionary transformation of society? That too, right? Yes. All yeah. right. So Marxism, as far as I'm concerned, and what we're talking about here is more specific in, in, in its abolishes in, in, uh, as it abolishes capitalism, yes? Yeah, that's All correct. Right. When you abolish capitalism, you establish a classless society. <laughs> uh, in theory, yes. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily what happens. Okay. There, was, there was always... Now, this is what I've got. This is why it took me so long to get there. Right. Because I, A, I needed that laugh from you because I know <laughs> that's what I'm going to get. And B, I want to know what you have to say about establishing a classless society because it seems like that's what we want in this country. And I think classless societies are created by caste systems only. That's correct. Uh, classless society is a, is a pipe dream that can never be achieved. Why? Um, because there is always a ruling elite that will assert itself. Mm. There, there is, it, is, it is impossible to have a classless society. You can, you can approach it through, I mean, even look at contemporary America. Um, the the 
congressmen and politicians that assert themselves as democratic socialists, well, they're freaking millionaires. <laughs> I mean, are, are we are we fucking serious? How'd they get there? Yeah, right. I mean, Google's the biggest criminal of that, I, by the way. I don't see Bernie Sanders giving up. You know, a lot his of house? his vacation homes, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, how about that million dollar vacation home he got after right? he dropped out of the race? That was weird. What What's interesting is, you know, a lot of these people rail against the wealthy, and then they become millionaires by virtue of government, and then all of a sudden they up the ante by saying, "Okay, well, well, we're against billionaires now." Uh, well, you're you're not really. There's an old saying: socialism is for the people, not the socialist. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I think that adage is pretty evident right. in in the way a lot of our politicians who are self-proclaimed democratic socialists are conducting themselves. Well, Karl Marx had, an, uh, had a bunch of ideas, but he also had a bunch of ideas from Friedrich Engels, too. And uh, Engels argued that capitalism was inherently exploitative and would eventually collapse under its own contradictions. How does that not happen here? Because for 200 years, capitalism has, has seized the day here, and for 200 years, people have thrived. For 250 years, um, black Americans uh, went through slavery, segregation, uh, you know, uh, just integration, losing half the things that they had, all of this through capitalism, and yet the rise of the black American in this country is noticeable. See, the belief in that philosophy has always eluded me. I, I've never understood. The difference is Marxism holds you in a stagnant uh state of life, mm -hmm. whereas capitalism enables you to uh, work your way up, uh, that that will always be the incredibly uh, incredible disparity between the two that uh, I think a lot of people just aren't making that connection. Right. You know, there's a lot of things that become convoluted um, by the uh, revisionists after World War II, and we spoke about some of those things, but America's temporary alliance with the Soviet Union to stop the proliferation of German National Socialism gave way to the narrative that communism was somehow a righteous antithesis, like you said, to fascism. So here's what I want to ask you about that, okay? If it is a antithesis to fascism, does that make it okay? Because, because democracy or um, democratic republic is not the antithesis of anything. It is a creation which makes it an experiment. Yes? Yes, that's correct. Who had a democratic republic before the United States? Well, I would argue that the United States is the, the greatest experiment in uh, self-governance. Uh, ever created by man. Right. So how come nobody's saying that about socialism? Why isn't anybody saying that about Marxism or communism? Why? That's a, that's also an interesting topic. Um, socialism, communism, Marxism, any variation has, has failed throughout history. Uh, however, the, the go-to narrative is, well, that wasn't real socialism. That wasn't real communism. Or that wasn't real Marxism. Well, 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 what is that stuff? What is the real version of those? Well, well, right. I mean, it inevitably fails because it refuses to acknowledge human nature. Uh, <laughs> of course. And once it's failed, it's it's denied as having been adequately attempted. 
Unbelievable. So the, I, I happen to uh, look, I happen to look up this question, right? What countries have the exact same government structure as the United States? Right? <laughs> it's no, no other. So here's the answer. Cause I came up with no other country has the exact same governmental structure as the United States. The U S government is a federal presidential constitutional republic. Yo, that's a lot of stuff being said. This like Marxism, one word, socialism, one word. Communism, one word. The United States, seven words. All right? I don't even know how many words it is. I got to look at it again. Let me see. Wait. A federal presidential, con- four words to describe what we are. Why? Well, <laughs> you know, that, that's always a fun conversation. How complicated dude. is that, dude? You know, when you ask somebody to point to a successful Marxist state, you know, you get people like Bernie Sanders saying, oh, look at Norway, you know. Norway. Well, well, we we look at Norway. Well, okay. Does Norway have an open border? No. Have you tried to get citizenship in Norway? Never. I can't. It, it I takes, don't think I can. It takes like seven years. Why would you try? Well, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, and that that's another that's another loose end on their part is you cannot have a Marxist welfare state with open borders. It's mm-hmm. impossible. So yes, Norway has somewhat of a. Norway, for all intents and purposes, has a, a loose fascist model uh, right. in terms of how they approach immigration, but they have a closed border. So right. the the things that are being advocated for here in the United States in the name of progressivism are completely unsustainable. Correct. Correct, because we, we don't have any control of our borders. And we do. Again, look, look, we need immigration in this country. Okay, yeah. fact. We need immigration in this country. But we did talk about this country being a federal presidential constitutional republic. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to do one thing here and I'm going to tell you it means something. And what it means is that power is divided between the federal government and the states. There is a separation of powers between the executive, legislative, and judicial branches of government. And there are specific protections for individual rights and freedoms enshrined in the constitution. But there are other countries with similar forms of government, such as Canada and Australia and India. They have similar forms, but India still has a caste system, yes? Yeah, that's correct. So each has its own unique features and differences in their structures, powers, and procedures. But that doesn't make them constitutional or democratic republics. You do Listen, the variations that other people have is not what we have. We don't have variations of what we have. We just have what we have. Other people have taken our idea and made variations of it so that they can control what we do not like guns that's correct you know uh, barack obama was very famous for saying that uh, he viewed the constitution as something of of negative liberties which was some uh, it listed things that the government could not do on your behalf um that's sort of the whole point of self-governance <laughs> and individuality correct. is the the least amount of government intervention so that you can live your life. You, you're free to exploit your talents and your successes and your abilities to, to the most, uh, you know, to the most personal growth possible, if, if, if that's probably the best term for it. You know, this has been a pretty, um, a pretty deep subject, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I mean, we're slapping it around, no? Yeah. I think we're slapping it around. I think people understand uh, if they listen to the podcast, they might understand the differences between all of these um, type of governances, yes? Well, I hope so. I mean, that's that's kind of what I was hoping to achieve by, you know, coming on there today. There you go. That's what I want to hear, dude. Yeah. 
I want to hear. I want to hear what you were trying to hope to achieve today. I want to know. Like, look, you're on a show that says things you're not supposed to talk about, and no one wants to talk about the differences between a democratic republic, a constitutional republic, whatever you want to call it, uh, and and these other other governances. People just assume that our government government is going to act the same way. If we start, if we start uh, doing the whole thing with, uh, hold on a second. All right, so I had to put my show on pause because my wife had to come down to the basement and get some sausages. I was literally in the middle of saying something. I have no idea what I'm talking about anymore, but that's okay because we got to sum up the show anyway. We're going into 30 minutes, and I want to do that. So, look, there are many differences between our government and everybody else. Nobody is going to – you are not going to be able to be a Marxist or socialist or communist society without doing the one thing that nobody wants to do. That's give up the First and Second Amendments, yes? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Those, those two were the first two for, the, for a reason. They are inexplicably connected, yes? Yes, uh, uh, intrinsically, yes. So the fact is, folks, and I'm going to say this right now, uh, and I know Chris is going to agree with me, and I want to thank you for being on the show, Chris, first of all. I want to thank you for coming here and putting yourself out there and saying the things that you're saying. Uh, I really do appreciate it, so thank you very much. Thanks, Lou. Uh, I'd just like to close with, you know, a lot of the stuff I've mentioned, you know, just to paraphrase Ludwig von Mises, um, who's one of my favorites, you know, if if we are to surrender uh, individuality because we are just not responsible enough to to assert it properly, then we should reject total government for the same reason. Wow. I'm not even going to say anything else. I think that's a way to end this show. Rejecting total government for all those reasons would be great, dude. And guess what? Guess what guarantees our ability to reject total government, the First and Second Amendment. So, folks, I want to thank you for being here today with Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About with Louis G. and my buddy Chris. I hope you had a good time, and I hope you understand the difference between Marxism and all this other crap that's going on out there, right? Thank you very much for being here today. Have a great day.